Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. It's time for the ODU Wrestling Monarch Matcast, a show dedicated to all things related to the Old Dominion Wrestling Program. On the web at monarchmatcast.com. Now, here's your host, three-time National Wrestling Writer and Broadcaster of the Year, and 2004 ODU alumnus, Jason Bryant. Episode 13 of the OD Wrestling Monarch Matcast from the Scott Trade Center in St. Louis, Missouri. Site of the 2015 NCAA Division I Wrestling Championships. Talking with Old Dominion Head Wrestling Coach Steve Martin. Steve, this is this is what the everything builds for. This is March. This is what you build for. This is what you train for. How are the seven Monarchs looking as they prepare for this their, this tournament here in St. Louis? It starts on Thursday. Uh, we're excited. I think. We're prepared. We're ready to roll. We've been doing things right for a year. So when we left this tournament a year ago, a lot of these guys, you know, they were disappointed and they wanted to come back and make an impact. Uh, out of the seven guys, five have been here multiple times. So on my standpoint, they're very relaxed and focused, and um, I think their minds are clear. You know, we're looking for that good performance out of them. You know, their minds are very clear, and we're looking for that good performance out of them. So... We like what we're seeing. Now, coming out of the MAC, obviously, Missouri top-ranked team in the country. They, they ran, won it rather comfortably. But the, a strong second-place performance, uh, you reverse some outcomes, uh, ex, you know, especially against Northern Iowa. There were a couple matches in the dual meet that went the other way. Uh, you know, Kevin Beasley reversed an outcome. Mikey Hayes reversed an outcome. But, uh, you know, were you happy with how the team wrestled at the MAC, even though uh, it was a second-place finish? Um, I thought, with the exception, I thought our day one was very strong. I thought that we had three or four matches slip away from. I think we went like, uh, again, me eight and six, eight and seven on day two. I think we had three match, three or four matches that slipped away. That I think that uh, you know could have went the other way. But you know, overall, it's a pretty good tournament because um, you always have a couple matches that you're not gonna that you were hoping to win that you didn't win. I don't care who you are. So yeah, overall, we were um, you know uh, we're in a very tough conference. You know, Mizzou's number one team in the country and. Uh, 
you know, that on the upside, that's going to help you get ready for this for the show here in uh, the Scott Trade Center because you know you've already been through the fire so many times in so many different environments. You know, you know Missouri's environment. You know they had a couple three four thousand fans there. You know uh, the the environments in the road, especially you know Northern Iowa's great environment. Russell Wynn. You know Midlands was another great environment. You know so we've been. We've had the opportunity to put our kids pretty much, I think, in every environment possible to prepare them for this moment. Now, as we look at the individual weight classes, Old Dominion qualified seven. And last week, uh, we, we talked just uh, conversation about the seeds and the brackets and whatnot. And one of the things that you know we're looking for is only once in Old Dominion wrestling history has there been more than one All-American in a season. And you have to go back to the uh, Nick Garone, Peter Horst year, and that was, uh, I believe it was 1990, if memory serves right. I don't even remember it because I wasn't following wrestling then, but... You know, you were talking about it's getting over that hump. It was in 2007, getting James Nicholson on the podium, getting over that hump, or 2008 rather. It was getting Ryan Williams in the finals, getting over that hump. Now you've had one. You've had teams that you think you should have had multiple ones. What's it going to take and what's it going to mean for the program to get, you know, Old Dominion announced in the award stand more than just one time a year? Well, as what is going to mean to get more than one guy is it's going to help us out recruiting wise, and recruiting is the name of the game. You know, that's the answer to that question. That's very simple. Uh, in order for us to do that, I think really we just have to wrestle up to our capabilities. I don't even think we have to wrestle over our head, to be honest with you. Now, we've been in multiple times at the NCAA tournament. We've had kids that, you know, we need our whole team to wrestle up to their capability, not just one guy. Um, so if we wrestle up to our ability level, you know, I've, I've been through the brackets. I've looked how they're going to, you know, who's favored where and when. But, you know, people don't realize it's not the best wrestler that places in the tournaments. The guy who's on, you know, is performing the best for those three days. It's not always the best wrestler. I mean, and I'm sure with the way the crazy seating came out this year, you're going to have a lot of people placing that people didn't expect because the seating was so ridiculous. Um, but, uh, you know, our kids... <clears throat> We were uh, we had the advantage of having a sports psychologist work with us this year. You know, seven, eight visits. Dr. Jared Spencer. We're fortunate to have Old Dominion. You know, the administration buy into that for us because I really think for individual wrestlers that's very important. So our minds are definitely not cluttered like they have been in the past coming to this tournament. So you know, we have clear. You know, we're telling them clear minds, better performance, and we're trying to keep their minds clear and only focused on the task at hand, which is wrestling in the present moment. We're trying to stay away from brackets. We're trying to stay away from projecting who you're going to wrestle on what round. You know, we're trying to stay in the moment. And for the most part, you know, little stuff like making sure, you know, at this tournament, like you're bringing, you know, you might have a favorite blanket or pillow, make sure you're bringing that with you. Making sure that you're staying away from your electronics, you know, an hour before it's time to go to bed. You know, turning them off. You know, we're, we're trying to... These are all sports psychology techniques. I think it's, it's going to help out a lot because the kids know how to wrestle. And it's just getting them to perform up to their ability level. You know, I really think that's it. I mean, I'm, if we do that, I think we're going to be in good shape by Saturday. Now, as we look through the brackets, of course, you just said you're not looking at brackets. Looking ahead, but that's what we're going to do here a little bit. Uh, 125 pounds, Brandon Jeske got an at-large bid. Didn't really have a great MAC tournament. Lost to Brent Fleetwood and, and knocked him in the constellations. Did recover to take fifth, but... Uh, draws number one, Alan Waters, a guy who wrestled back in November, uh, the MAC champion, number one seed, undefeated, and uh, that's that's kind of the point. Of the, I mean, if he might have been the last guy in the tournament, he's going to get the guy that's had a, a great season all the way. I mean, what's what's Brandon got to do to win this match? Brandon's got to take him down. 
And Brandon's got to, uh, when does this get, go out to the public? Now, basically. Okay, all right. Well, then I'm not going to tell you that game plan. <laughs> That'll be a TBA. You'll have to watch that. <laughs> uh, but uh, but Brandon's dangerous. Brandon is dangerous, and I wouldn't want to draw Brandon first round if I was Waters. I want to draw one of them other guys. I mean, uh, I think uh, it was like a one or two or two-point match, a three-point match. I don't know when we wrestled him. Back in back in November, but it wasn't like he was falling over for him. Um, it's moved 141 pounds. Chris McCotty draws a number 11 seed. Interesting spot in the bracket. Uh, Levon May's got a questionable third seed, according to many. Uh, people thought Devin Carter should have been the three. In this case, again, not looking ahead, that this is this is, looks like a, a fairly decent draw. I mean, Tyler Smith of Bucknell, McCotty wrestled earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, then you get Nick Dardanes, and uh, last year Chris beat the other brother. He beat Chris Dardanes at uh, the Southern Scuffle, but Nick Dardanes, I mean, they're, they're similar type of wrestlers. If you get past Smith and you're looking at a, at a Dardanes match, you could see uh, LeVon Mays, they're looming for Missouri, a guy Chris has beaten three out of four times. I mean, when you looked at the draw, what were your initial reactions when you saw Chris in that spot? I love the draw. There was a couple people I didn't want to wrestle in that quarter bracket. Or if that matter, coming on through on the backside, our draw is beautiful there. Thank God for the seating committee for seeing that one wrong. <laughs> Which they did. 149 pounds, Lenny Richardson, uh, excuse me, Alexander Lenny Richardson, seated eighth. And you're, you're in an eight seed. That means it's it's expected that you're top eight. Lenny was here uh, twice before. Last year, I mean, is last year kind of hanging over? Is he looking to re- kind of get over that, that disappointment last year and say, you know what, I'm here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I mean, he's got he potentially could have had a shot in the quarterfinals. He can't overlook Chris Perez, who had a great EIWA tournament, scrappy kid, and then uh, either Gabe Moreno is a little dinged up for Iowa State, Colin Heffern, and a guy that's wrestled him close to the MAC. I mean, let's talk about it. Richardson's draw. You, you kind of like it where he's sitting there. I like Richardson's draw. Um, you know, if anybody's going to take down who to shell, it's going to be Lenny. I don't think. I mean, Lenny's. I think he's the only one taking him down all year. He's the, he's taken down how to shell more than anybody in how to shell's career. Yeah, and. Uh, we will have different strategy on him. If we are fortunate enough to get past our first two guys, again, I'm saying we ain't looking past nobody. Zero. You know, but um, I can tell you that uh, I can't complain about, you know, that draw. I don't know. Who's the number two seed at that weight? Oh, at 49, that would be the uh, returning champion, Mr. Jason Sertzis. Yes, I mean, you're going to hit somebody tough, you know, the deeper you go. It's just That's just how it is. You're going to hit the good guys when you go through it. But, uh, you know, Lenny is uh, very tough and uh, very athletic. So I like his chances against any of those guys just as much as anyone else. Is, is he ready to place? Yes, absolutely. We have several guys that are ready to place. Uh, next one, we're talking about 165 pounds. Tristan Warner, uh, again, draws an 11 seed. Uh, could see the winner of Mikey England or Tyrell White. They wrestle a pigtail and then... Uh, should uh, Tristan advance, they'll have the very funky, uh, dynamic, uh, unorthodox Jersey guy from uh, Indiana University, Taylor Walsh. That's kind of, I mean, obviously, again, you don't look past people, but how do you prepare for a guy that just does stuff you're not supposed to do like Taylor Walsh? I think they're, they're both going to be rolling around and flopping a lot. It's uh, it's hard to wrestle Walsh because you can't touch his head because he does all these slide-bys and throw-bys and, there's going to be a lot of points in the board in that match. There's going to be points left and right. So 
I wouldn't want to try to predict that one. But, uh, you know, obviously uh, Walsh is favored, you know, so Tristan, you know, has nothing to lose going out there. So it should be interesting. You know, he's a fifth-year senior. He's one of the hardest workers I've ever had. And uh, I would love to see him be able to end up walking out of here with the All-American status. There's no question. 184 pounds, returning All-American Jack Deco, 29-1, draws the four seed. Up tops the top seed, Gabe Dean of Cornell, who he wrestled and lost to at the All-Star Classic this year, but, of course, in the third-place match last year at this tournament where uh, Jack kind of broke out on the scene as a 13 seed, finishing fourth down low. Blake Stauffer gets a three seed. Max Thomasite gets a two seed. So, uh, you know, to, to go through, the, to win a national championship, you're going to have to go through Gabe Dean anyway. Uh, he had one bad day this year where he lost twice, but other than that, he's been unstoppable. What, uh, you know, people look at it and say Dean's pretty much the heavy favorite here, but uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I totally went homer pick on this thing, not because I went to Old Dominion, but I think because I think Jack Deco can win this match. Jack Should Deco, he make the semis? Jack, Jack, Jack Deco's right got his three matches before that, and of course everybody's looking forward to it, and we've been stressing to Jack, let's take this one match at a time, but uh, Jack, Jack thinks he's going to beat him. And uh, when you have somebody that actually thinks he's going to beat somebody, I think Jack might be the only guy in the tournament that thinks he can beat him. Um, I think uh, if those two hit in the semis, you got the two, you got the finals match in the semis, really. So that was one where I kind of looked at the seeds, and I guess I was like the other coaches that got put in that got put in bad spots. But hey, Jack's attitude is, hey, I'm just going to have to beat him one day earlier. So we're um, that's going to be fun because Dean has everything to lose; we have nothing. He's supposed to win. That's an awesome place to be going into a match. Well, let's back up a little bit. Uh, Jack opens up with Jacob Casper of Duke. Uh, had a pretty good season, kind of under the radar. Then has the winner, should he beat Casper, has uh, Nico Reyes and Vic Avery. And Avery had beaten Jack prior, and Jack beat him pretty good at the, the Virginia Duels. And then, of course, Taylor Meeks, a very dangerous five because uh, he's been an All-American before. He's down a weight. He, he's, you know, he's had success at this tournament and a very dangerous type of matchup there. Casper, we've wrestled him, you know, early in the season. I don't, I don't think we wrestled him very well as a first tournament. Jack's going to look to try to widen the gap in that. He's more of a top-bottom type guy. Doesn't do a whole lot. Um, the second-round matchup, I don't, you know, who's that? Uh, Avery or Nico Reyes? Hard to tell because they've gone back, you know, uh, uh, Avery's beaten him in a couple OT matches, but... Uh, Either way, we're going to be prepared for either one of those guys. You know, both of them kind of like to keep it close. Uh, I mean, I, could, I couldn't even tell you whether it's going to be Boyd, Nolan Boyd from Okie State or freaking Meeks in the quarters. I have no idea because Boyd, you can't discount him because he is he's not your typical wrestler. Because I've watched him wrestle and he does some stuff that you can't teach. So, you know, Jack, the key in him is we're telling him he's got to put points in the board. He has to be solid. We need to be getting off the bottom very quickly. We need to be riding hard on top. And uh, technically, you know, I tell everybody Jack's about 50% football player. We start to get more wrestler now, you know, learning his technique and learning positions. We still have to remind him every once in a while. But, see, that's why he's good because he, he, he uh, when he's going into a match, he's, he's not worried about choking. You know, he's just going, he loves the spotlight. That's one thing. Jack loves to wrestle in front of a lot of fans. He loves the spotlight. Moving to 197 pounds, Kevin Beasley qualifies for his first tournament and actually had uh, avenged two losses during a regular season. 
uh, to finish in the MAG tournament. And uh, granted, I don't think he's going to count that injury default win over Sean Scott as a as a victory <laughs> over Scott, who's uh, his dad, David said. I think they've wrestled like 50 times since they were kids. But uh, Beasley in the draw got Abayala of Princeton, seven seeded, uh, athletic kid from Princeton, really has turned into a, a pretty good college wrestler. And uh, matchup wise. Where do you think Kevin's strengths are in this match with Ayala? Well, we lost him in overtime in Midlands, so we've wrestled him. So, you know, um, Kevin has immediately has to get off the bottom, and we have to ride this guy, bottom line. And uh, we know what his attacks are. He knows what ours are. I think he, uh, he probably, I think Kevin's a different wrestler than since in the Midlands. At the Midlands, he probably couldn't go seven minutes hard. Uh, last last weekend at the MAC, he won an 11 minute match, and that's where he kind of go, got over the hump, in my opinion. Mentally, he won an 11 minute match with Abro, and before in the past he couldn't do that. And the first time you do, that's he's gonna have to go a lot of you know. He might have to hit some OT matches in this tournament, you know. But Alala's good, but we could, he's definitely beatable. Now as we move to heavyweight, Jake Henderson makes. Uh, qualifies for the tournament, 285 pounds. Ross, 15 seed Ross Larson. Uh, you know, Jake's a guy who was a 97-pounder, splitting time with Beasley for a while and, and, you know, had been in the lineup as a starter. The move to heavyweight seemed to do him well, seemed to do the team well. He won some big matches to win some big duels. But uh, from a coaching standpoint, when you, you get a guy like Henderson kind of late in the recruiting cycle when he was in high school and then to see him come through and make the national championships, I mean, how does that make you feel as a coach to know that this is a kid really, uh, he's at the nationals because we got him here? Yeah, well, that's all on Dixon. Dixon's the one that did all the work with him. You know, I think heavyweight's definitely, uh, you know, we were going to move him up a little. Last year we were, th- we were debating moving him up the heavyweight, but um, he broke his hand like in January when we, when we were thinking about the move. Uh, so I thought during the offseason he would be a great, you know, I thought he'd have great success at heavyweight. We probably should have moved him earlier. But um, anyways, um, you know, he's a great kid. I wouldn't discount him out of any match because he, he wrestles hard, you know. So I know Larson pins a lot of people. I don't – I think if uh, – I don't know what he does, but he must have a trick hold or something. But, you know, Henderson uh, – Henderson's capable of beating any of those guys. Stays in good positions. If he stays in good positions points. and stay away from whatever Larson's trick hold is, which I'll have to ask Dixon that. I don't scout heavyweights. So that's up to Dixon. Now, as we look at the team race, I mean, goals coming in, obviously, you, you want to be top 10. But realistically, what was the goal coming in? I mean, I think you can look at maybe four guys with a real good chance of being on that podium uh, if you're not playing the homer card too much or the coach card. But, you know, looking at it, okay, yeah, there's there's guys that can be there. What would be considered a successful championship for you in the team race where Old Dominion finishes? I'm not really sure because we never had this, this many possibilities of place. And, you know, we get – <clears throat> we get jacked through, you know, we get a national champion that obviously would be a success because Old Dominion, you know, has never not, had one. You know, has never had a Division One national champion. I got a text from AD the other day, go get our 34, 34th national title. That's a speech. You know, we've won 33 national titles, either individual or team wise. He texted me, he said, go get the 34th one because he's counting an individual title right along with that. So I think it would be a success if Jack wins this tournament. We get a couple more, you know, another. Three, three or four All-Americans, you know. That'd be a success. Now you you know, look at, have, if you look at three, you're looking at you're, you're, you're bordering here on a top ten finish. Depending yeah. on, you know, you know a champ and, and two mid-placers. I mean, yeah, the I'm not, way tournament points work, I mean, it's, you know, is that is that, are you even 
thinking we're, that this could be a possibility, or you're just going absolutely. out there and let the score take care of itself? We're gonna, we know it's a possibility. There's no question. You know, I think a lot of this stuff is momentum. We need to pull some upsets off on Thursday night. You know, well, you know, when we get an upset position, we, we need to take care of business, and I, I think our schedule is prepared that for us. But people are not going to lie down for us. This is the toughest tournament in the country. You know, it's the most watched tournament in the world, the NCAA tournament. More so than the Olympics, World Championships, than anything else. This, this is this is the show. So uh, our our kids, we're trying to keep them focused at the task at hand. But obviously, the coaches, we want to walk out of our national champ. You know, a couple All Americans. You know, because we do need to get over the hump. You know, and uh, I think if we just wrestle what we're capable of, we're gonna have a lot of people wrestling on Friday night. So I can't predict the future, but. That's what we're uh, we're looking for. That's what our goals our goal is. Now wrapping up here, if you keep an eye on the uh, Monarch Madcast, we'll be doing updates from throughout the tournament from here at the Scott Trade Center. We've been talking with head wrestling coach Steve Martin, previewing the 2015 NCAA Division One Wrestling Championships from here in St. Louis. Stick around; we'll give you daily updates from all the Monarch wrestlers. <laughs> And guess what, Monarch Nation? You can take the Monarch Matcast on the road with you. Go to monarchmatcast.com, click the How to Listen page. It'll tell you all that you need to know to be able to listen on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spreaker, on TuneIn, or your favorite podcast app. Again, monarchmatcast.com, click How to Listen, or you can go straight to iTunes at monarchmatcast.com slash go to iTunes. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.